Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Acts 1.8, you can probably say it with me, and you shall receive when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, amen, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Today, I want to take a look at reaching out and uh, take a look again at our mission and our vision as a church. It's Celebration Sunday. We're celebrating all that the Lord has done. It's my uh, opportunity every year to just again say this is what Celebration Church is all about. Acts 1-8, is our, it's our mission. God has come and he has said, Jesus, before he, before he ascended, he told the disciples, don't leave Jerusalem until you have received what? The promise of the Father. You need the fullness. The promise of the Father needs to come. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You you will be my witnesses. He sent them out. Go and make disciples of all nations. He equipped them for the task that was before them. And so today I want to take a look at our mission, our vision. We talk about our, our vision being Acts 1-8, that God has come, he's poured out his power upon us to what? To reach our Jerusalem. God has called us to reach our Jerusalem, our Akron area. How do we do that? How do we accomplish that here at Celebration Church? How are we reaching our Jerusalem? I, I don't, can barely hear my guys. I'm, I'm having a hard time. Yeah, I'm having a hard time hearing myself. Acts 1-8 says you will reach your Jerusalem. How are we reaching our Jerusalem here at Celebration Church? One, through our services. We have multiple services a week. We're seeing God do incredible things in our church services. Amen. I'm getting side cues to change microphones here. Hallelujah. There we go. Now I can hear myself. Can you hear me now? We're going to reach our Jerusalem. We're doing that through our, our services. We have awesome services every week. You know, if you, Sunday mornings is great. And obviously many of you are, you know, you're here on Sunday mornings regularly and, you know, others. Um, but Wednesday nights, we have a great time on Wednesday nights and um, our midweek refresh. And um, if you don't come on Wednesdays, I want to encourage you to be here on Wednesdays. We, we have a time of saturation. And you never know what you're going to get on Wednesday nights. <laughs> and that's the best part about it. You just show up hungry and God handles the rest. It's, it's awesome. All of our outreaches, you know, we have um, our kids ministry, youth ministry, young adults. Heather's going to talk about that here shortly about young adults and all that's getting ready to happen there. Um, but um, our events, you know, we have uh, incredible outreach. Again, we have uh, the Night of Hope and all the different things that are taking place. Bethesda Bible College, our Bible college here at the church, we have 30 I think it's 32 or 36 registered students um, in, in just a matter of, um, I think we're roughly at about 18, 20 months in existence. That's awesome. Uh, an incredible environment in those classrooms. If you've never taken one of our Bible college classes, I would encourage you to you know, audit it, if nothing else, just to get in that environment. 
the discussion and the teaching and all that takes place, the anointing, sitting in a classroom under, under our leadership, not just you know Heather and I, but others that teach, sitting in those classrooms in a saturation setting uh, for three hours is absolutely powerful. It will rock your world. I promise. I, every time I teach, Bethesda, I'm teaching this summer uh, on Song of Solomon, and, and I can tell you, it's going to affect, it always overflows in service. Whatever is happening in, happening in Bethesda, it overflows in service. So you might as well take, take Bethesda, get the sneak peek, and then come to services and get the overflow. Uh, but we have a great time uh, in all of those things. We have the Life Center. You know, Vicki has started the Life Center, our counseling ministry, and it's doing exceptionally well. She's always meeting with people. And uh, it, it's great to see what God is doing through that ministry. We've got a seminar coming up in March, March 25th, and for that. So a lot of great things going on. My hope, you know, one of the things that God's been stirring since we've been here, kind of a vision we have, we are, our slogan is life, a center of life, hope, and healing to our community. Well, we have the Life Center, we have the Hope Center, and uh, our, our next phase, or what we're believing God for in the next two to three years, is to start a healing center, a place of saturated prayer where people who are sick physically, emotionally, uh, whatever the case is, they can come and sit and saturate and receive saturated prayer and, and healing room type ministry to get healed and to get whole. Amen. So we're just believing that God's going to raise up the, the team to lead that. It's going to be great. So that's, that's our Jerusalem. We reach, we're reaching our Jerusalem. We're reaching our Judea. That's the Great Lakes region. How do we reach our Great Lakes region? Well, Night of Hope, we talked about that earlier, but Night of Hope is 25,000 meals served in 18 months. We've uh, been able to partner with 25 different ministries and organizations throughout the area in, in 18, it's 18 months? 18 months. Um, the, the ministry that is happening at Night of Hope, you've just heard a couple of stories this morning, but there are, there are mass stories like that where people are getting loved on, getting ministered to in a practical, tangible way, but also having their spiritual needs met. I look around the room this morning and I see people who have connected with our church through Night of Hope. It's awesome. We have members that are part of our church that are growing and active because of Night of Hope's ministry. So we're reaching out. And then cross-cultural, Samaria is a cross-cultural ministry. When Jesus said to them, you'll go into Samaria, he was talking about reaching a demographic of people that was different than them. They were the Jews, Samaritans. Remember, Jesus went through Samaria and he had the conversation with the woman at the well and the disciples were surprised because he was talking uh, to the, the Samaritan woman. Even the woman herself said, you're, you're a Jew, you're not supposed to talk to me. This is out of custom, out of culture. And so, so reaching our Samaria is reaching out to those that, A, we wouldn't usually find ourselves reaching out to, or reaching out across cultures. Uh, one of our opportunities here at the church that we take um, every week in, in, just a, in just an hour or so, um, we'll have a, another church that meets in our sanctuary, and we coach them and help them and disciple them. What, what church is it? It's Bhutan Assembly of God Church, and it's a, it's a church that was started in a refugee camp in, uh, in Bhutan, and when they came, they ended up in Akron 
talking all, all the talk right now about refugees in the, in the U.S., they ended up in the U.S., came to Akron. They didn't have a choice in the matter. It's where the government sent them. They ended up here, and, and there was a group of brothers that said, if we're going to continue to grow spiritually, we've got to start a church. And so they started a church, and they started looking for a place to meet, and they started meeting, and they uh, heard about us once we got here. They came and met with us, and uh, they said, we would love to use your facility. We'd love to be able to to meet. We need discipleship. We need to learn how to have a church, on and on and on. And so we're walking them through the process, helping them become their own independent Bhutan Assembly of God church. It's awesome. And they're growing. I, I'm amazed. You know, every week, if you look, if you poke your head in here around 1230, 1 o'clock, and see all of the folks that are coming in, it's powerful to watch. And they it's all in Nepali. Their services are all in their Nepali language. It's powerful to see what, what's going on with them. And then we're going to the ends of the earth, world missions and ministries. You know, I just had the missions trip, ministry trip to China. We support world missionaries going again um, in July, and we've got a trip scheduled in Italy. So there's there are people that are looking for ministry. They want They want what God's doing here in their churches and ministries abroad, and so we're taking what God's doing in our church, and our, in our congregation, and bringing that ministry worldwide. So I want to encourage you, get on board with those things. Fill out the missions trip application. Go on the ministry trip uh, to Italy or to China. <laughs> Y'all are excited about that. You probably would say amen about Italy, but you're not so sure about China, right? We have a great time. So we're reaching out we're reaching our Jerusalem, we're reaching our Judea, we're reaching our Samaria, and we're reaching the ends of the world. But one of the things that I want to do this morning is I want to define for you that word reach. What are we doing to reach? What does it mean to reach out? Yes, we're going to reach our Jerusalem. Yes, we've received power from on high to reach out. But what does it mean to reach out? So I want to define for you that word reach this morning. What, if you could say, um, Acts 1-8 is the why of what we're doing, and reach is the what we're doing. Acts 1-8, why do we do what we do? It is the commission of the Lord. You have received power. You know, we, we've talked about before, you've heard me say it, I'm sure, but, uh, you know, a lot of times, especially in, in Pentecostal circles, we talk about the power. We want power, the power of God, the presence of God. We want the tangible, and I do, I want the tangible, manifest power and presence of God in my life, in, not just in services, not just on Sundays, but every day of my life, I need, and, and the people around me need, the power and the presence of God. Yeah. Amen? But a lot of times, we, what, what happens is we disconnect our power with purpose. And if we were to go out and to take one of the, the power lines that are running along Dan Street, cut off an end of it, and still allow the power to flow through it, that power line is going to flop around. It's going to have electricity flowing through it. And if somebody grabs hold of that thing, they're in trouble. They're, they're in big trouble. They're going to get electrocuted. And that's what happens when we disconnect the power of God from the purpose of God. What is the purpose of God? You will receive power to be witnesses. And so the power of God that you and I have been affected by, being transformed by, is to make disciples, to go out and to be witnesses. And so I want to talk about that. What does it mean to reach out, to be a witness, to reach out to those around us? Well, first off, I, and, and I've defined this by 
what do you call these things where you have all the letters, an acronym? So we got an acronym. Is that, is that what it's called? Okay, well, we got an acronym, whatever that is. Acrostic, acronym, synonym, thesaurus, dictionary, whatever it is. We got one of them this morning. Number, <laughs> reach, letter R, reach. We're going to reach the lost. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are called to reach the lost. You have been redeemed with a purpose. You have been redeemed to proclaim the purpose, the praises of God in this life. If you think back to the prodigal son with me for a moment. You know, we talk about the, the son that lost his way. But what about the older brother? Let's just think about the older brother for a moment. He was busy doing his work in the field. He was busy serving, but he wasn't busy about rescuing his brother. He was quick to judge his brother when his brother came back. He was quick to judge his father's actions when his brother came back. But he wasn't out trying to rescue his lost brother. You know, it's easy for us, especially if you've been in church for a while, when you see, when you see people come in that are lost, it's easy to sit and, and criticize and judge, but are we busy about rescuing them that are lost? You see, I find it, that it's very difficult when you're busy about the mission of rescuing the lost, it becomes very hard to criticize them when they come in. All of a sudden, you have found yourself out in the muck and the mire and the mud and the world systems and, and, the, and the things where they, are, they have become totally lost, totally in, enslaved to. You find yourself out in the middle of those things, pulling them out of the mud, pulling them out, rescuing them, striving with them, praying with them, praying for them, believing God for their, their salvation, sharing truth with them all of a sudden it becomes a lot harder to criticize. We've called, we are called to reach the lost. This is more than just something that we do on Sundays. This is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of personal evangelism. It's understanding that every arena of influence that God has placed you in is for the purpose of reaching the lost. Every arena of influence, every place that God has set you, whether it's in a business capacity or whether it's your personal hobbies or interests that have opened the door there, God has placed you in that situation, that scenario, in that environment to make disciples, to reach the lost, to be a witness, to seize the opportunity that God's placed you in. Mike shared earlier about Night of Hope and you know, it's a, Night of Hope's a great opportunity. I thank God for Night of Hope. You know, all that God is doing. <laughs> if you're uncomfortable with ministering to people, come to Night of Hope. It's easy. They're just walking in the door. The lost are walking in the door saying, here I am. Come love on me. It's really simple. You know, it's, it's, it's more difficult in our day-to-day -day life because, you know, you're, you're in their world. It's their environment. It's different. It's uncomfortable, but a night of hope, it's easy. You're in your environment. Yeah. You're in your comfortable setting to minister to them and love on them. And that's great, and I thank God for that. You know, Mike's sharing about ministering to the chiropractor. You know, he happens, by the way, to be our chiropractor. And the whole point and how this even, it's funny that God spoke that to him and challenged him on that. When we met this chiropractor, we knew. I mean, every time we turned around, we would go to the store and run into him and his family at the store. And we said, Heather and I were saying, okay, God has placed you in our life. You are going to get born again. This is, this is 
it's going to happen. You're there. Every time we turn around, you're there. Every time we show up at your office, you're asking me about China and the ministry trip and the church and all. I don't have to... I don't have to do a thing. I just show up in his office and he talks. And so we knew that God was going to start that process. And now he's put it on someone else's heart. It's awesome. Thank God for that. But evangelism, personal evangelism, is more than just what happens at Night of Hope. It's what happens in your life every day. So we're, amen. So we're reaching the lost together. It's more than just a good idea. It's something that you and I are engaged in every day. Let me share another personal example. You know, one of the, one of the things that I get the opportunity to do, um, one of the one of the uh, skills, I guess, that I'm learning or acquiring is life coaching, and you know, it's a it's a uh, secular term for discipleship is really what it is, and uh, I have an opportunity to minister to people in a worldly setting that don't go to church, that don't want anything to do with the church, but you say life coaching, they'll, their ears perk up. Okay, I need a coach. I need somebody to walk me through life. And so I have, I have a couple of clients, actually one of them, who told me they're not, not Christians, but they want a life coach. And so, you know, the one particular found out that I was a pastor, and uh, she sent me an email, and she said, I do not want to talk about religion. I don't want anything to do with religion, and I don't want you to talk anything about religion. And you say, well, pastor, how did you handle it? Well, you're a pastor, right? You know, you got to talk about religion. And I said, that's okay. I said, life coaching is all about you anyway, so we're just going to talk about you, and whatever direction you want to go with this, we'll go. You know, it's funny, because I can bring up biblical principles whether we talk religion or not. I don't have to tell you I'm preaching Jesus. But you're going to get Jesus. <laughs> That's just how it goes, you know. And uh, it's funny because it's interesting to watch how this conversation has gone. And we've had a couple of sessions. And it's funny to watch how this conversation just turns every time. And now we're getting into forgiveness issues. And so I'm able to walk through what the Bible says about forgiveness. And they don't even know that we're talking Bible forgiveness. But they're, they're getting Jesus all the way through. I had another, another client that said, you know, what, is it, what do you do? What does a pastor do? You know, asking about my my job and what, what pastoring is all about and what, what is your church like? What does your church do? And, they, you know, they're in, they're in California. They're in, actually, this one was in Hollywood. And they're, they're going through asking me all about, well, what's this? What's that? You know, how does this work? Blah, 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 blah. Well, that sounds really cool. I think I'd like to come to your church. That's a long way away, but I think I'd like to come to your church. I said, as soon as we get live on, on the internet, we will connect you with our live and you can watch live. How about that? So, you just take the opportunities. It doesn't have to be some significant story. You just begin to walk through the doors that God opens before you. E, equip others. R is reach the lost. E is equip others. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Here in this verse, Paul is teaching Timothy about these four generations of spiritual leadership. Paul is talking to Timothy. So there's two generations. Paul is teaching Timothy. He tells Timothy, I want you to find faithful men, and fourthly, commit these things to others also. Four generations of spiritual leadership. It is our job, not just the pastor's job. It's everybody's job to equip others. All of us are called to minister to one another and equip one another. 
If you are a leader in the church, you're called to equip the, the leaders and the generation under you. We are constantly equipping one another. Amen. We are constantly equipping each other. There are things that you've learned that need to be imparted and shared to another generation of leaders that are coming in the doors. There are new people in the church. There are new people here this morning. And those that have been here for a long time, <laughs> equip others. Begin to share what God's done in your life with someone else. Begin to equip other leaders around you. That's not just the pastor's job. That's everybody's job. You know, we spend our, our time and our energy. We equip. We are surrounded by leaders of leaders. Heather and I spend our time, our day, day to day, equipping people around us. It's been awesome to watch how, you know, we can just... Pulled Night of Hope as an example, as, as we've been talking about Night of Hope. It's been awesome to watch how a small team of leaders has grown to over 20 different area leaders. And all of these area leaders all have areas of ministry throughout Night of Hope that they're responsible for. It started off as a vision that God gave myself and, and, and Mandy, who's our director of Night of Hope, and all of a sudden it's expanded. She is being discipled by us, and she's being equipped by us, and she's going and equipping her area leaders who are then equipping you who are serving in all of those areas of ministry. That's how equipping works. I think about Vicki with First Impressions and, and her team. She is being equipped, and She's constantly equipping those around her to do first impressions. Rick with small groups. Rick is empowering and equipping small group leaders. Is it perfect? No. Is, is everything that we do always going to be perfect and smooth and seamless? I wish I could say that it was. <laughs> How many is perfect here today? <laughs> Yeah, I wish I could say that it's always going to be perfect and every, every idea is going to go smoothly and seamlessly. But that's part of equipping. It's part of us coming together, working together, working to equip one another for effective ministry. Why don't you talk about, real quick, saturate? We didn't do that earlier. But this is a great place to talk about equipping others. Woohoo! Um, we are really excited to launch um, a new branch of ministry within our young adults um, called Saturate. And so really we, um, we feel like, you know, God's always giving new ideas, new creativity to reach areas where we're not reaching. And we feel like we've done a great job in continuing um, the ministry um, to the older generation to make sure that, that our seniors are loved and equipped and are reaching one another. Um, but we feel like we have been lacking in reaching the young, the young generation. And, um, you know, we've talked with the leadership for, since we've gotten here about the need to grab a hold of the next generation. That way the church can continue to go on. Amen. And so we've been praying about it. We've been talking to leaders about it. And so this year, February 10th, we're going to launch Saturate. And Saturate is for all young adults, all young marrieds, anyone between the ages of 18 and whatever. Right? Um, but it's a place to find their own identity within the kingdom of God. And so really what we've got is we've got a team of, and I, I don't have the number in my head. It's not a numbers girl. But I would say probably about 12 um, 12 area leaders over all different areas, everything to do from, you know, hospitality to um, sound and media to marketing um, 
to logistics. And basically, we've been meeting for a couple of months now, and every month meeting and talking about what's your vision? How do you see God reaching this next generation? How, what's your role and how are you going to play it? And then who is God placing around you that you can now grab a hold of them and bring them in on the team to be able to reach our community? And so we're believing. We launch, We do a very soft launch February 10th, and our hard launch to the whole area will come in April. And we're just believing that we're going to reach a whole new people group of young people that we've not been able to reach so far. And so we want to see new families come in. We want to see, you know, the Akron students come in. We want to see the next generation feel like they have it, not just within celebration, but have a place to belong within the kingdom of God, that they are valued, that there is ministry specifically for them, and then that they can come through Saturate and then begin to be a part of the church community here at Celebration. So we're really excited and really excited to see how our leaders then begin to take on the ministry um, within Saturate. So since he gave me the mic, I'll continue on with this and he can come and grab it. But really, because um, oftentimes if you ask, like we have a great team of ushers, we have a great team of first impressions, but if you would ask the first impressions or the ushers to go get the younger generation and have them usher or have them greet, normally the answer is, oh, but I don't do that. I mean, so-and-so does it, and no, I don't do that. And it's so hard to get the younger generation to just help pass a plate or help make the phone calls to, to our guests because it's not something that they do right? Well, I had that, that told to me years and years ago as well. And then I ended up on a missions trip in New Zealand. And this, it was this huge church of all generations. And when I began to look around, the younger generation and the older generation did all the ministry together. It wasn't just one or the other. And at that point, I said, that's what I want. It was like God took me there and dropped a vision in me. That's what I want to see happen. And I believe that he's awakening that within not only me, but the, the leadership team of Saturate, that we want to be able to, to reach this generation and connect it with the older generation, that we begin to walk hand in hand, and this generation learns from the older generation. So not only are we equipping our leaders to go and, and minister to their generation, but we want to equip this generation to now equip the younger generation. Are we following? It's a twofold thing, and we feel like not only is it going to bless the younger generation, but it's going to bless celebration as a whole as we're building the kingdom of God. Woohoo! Awesome. So that's saturate. R, reach, E, equip, A is activate, activate into significant ministry. We want you to activate into significant ministry. Matthew 10, 7 and 8 says, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. To activate means to operate, means to function, means to engage, to have active status. We want you to engage in active, significant, meaningful, purposeful ministry. What have you received from the Lord? What has God done in your life? What have you received of the Lord personally? Begin to share it with others. Freely you have received, freely give. You may not feel like you have a, a, a significant amount of something to give, but you have received something. If you've been born again for three seconds, you have something to give. 
So bring it to the table. Activate into ministry. Begin to find a place to serve. Find a ministry to engage in. If you're not currently serving in a ministry, there's a lot of opportunities to activate in. And if, it's, if there's something out there that's not connecting the dots with you or you feel like maybe God's stirring something different in your heart, well, hey, let's take a look at it. Maybe it's an opportunity to God's birthing something new in the church. Is it in line with the vision and the direction of the church? Maybe God's doing something new and opening up a new opportunity. But activate. Allow God to begin to use the gifts that are on the inside of you to minister to others. The disciples were to go preaching, to establish faith, to animate the hope of heaven, to inspire the love of heavenly things and the contempt of earthly and prepare for the kingdom which is at hand without delay. A ministry, it was a ministry of urgency. What the disciples were called to and what this verse is indicating, it was a ministry of urgency with demonstration of power. Their ministry wasn't with word only but with power also. We have preaching of the word, we have ministry of the word, but it is with great power and signs and wonders. Allow the Lord to begin to use you with the gifts and the talents that he's deposited into your life. And then C, we want to care for one another. C, care for one another. Galatians 6.10 says this, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. You know, caring for one another demonstrates a, it demonstrates a compassion for one another, but it also demonstrates a humble spirit to receive. In Philippians, Paul talks about the, the word koinonia. He uses the word koinonia in the Greek. It's, in English, it's translated in Philippians 1.5, partnership, that we are partners together in the gospel. We have become koinonia. We are partners. We, we have come as comrades, as brothers and sisters. We unite together in a supernatural, divine partnership for the power of the gospel. We care for one another. We make sure that the needs of each other are met. We identify. It means that we identify the needs of one another. We look around and understand what the needs are in our body. And then we not just identify them, but we actually care for one another. We actually take action with those needs and begin to minister to one another. And as a body, we are willing. It means that we're also willing to receive care. It means that we're willing to be ministered to. It means that we're willing to be cared for. Amen? A lot of times it's easy to say, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach out and care to someone else. But are you willing for others to care for you, to disciple you, to minister to you? And then H. R is? R is? E is? A? C? And H is healing and wholeness. Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. That word uttermost, Christ has come to save us, sozo life, total life, healing to the uttermost, spirit, soul, body. Every aspect of your life needs to experience the healing and wholeness of Jesus. 
And our spirit, our spirit man needs to be regenerated, needs to be made alive to Christ. John 3, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a man is born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. We have to be born again, regenerated, our spirit man made alive to Christ. And when your spirit man is regenerated, it affects your natural man. When the life of God affects the soul of man, all of a sudden it affects you in your body. You're happy about serving the Lord. You get happy about reading the Word. You're happy about coming to church. You're happy about reaching the lost. You're happy about caring for one another. Amen. Your soul is affected. Becomes transformed. Paul wrote in Romans, not to be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your soulish man... Your mind, your will, your emotions need to be transformed. And so when Hebrews talks about us being saved to the uttermost, healing and wholeness to the uttermost, it's talking about our spirit man, but it's also talking about our mind, our will, and our emotions. God wants to heal your mind. If you're carrying guilt and condemnation and emotional struggle, whatever it is, God is able to heal you to the uttermost. Every part of your life. He wants to brainwash you. He wants to clean out your mind. He wants to wash up your mind. Get all the junk out of your brain. He wants to transform your way of thinking. He wants to transform. That's, you know, everybody arguing back and forth about abortion this, abortion that, this argument, that argument, and the other. Why in the world do we think that people in the world are going to understand biblical values? Their mind has not been renewed. That's all I'm going to say about that. Okay. Number three, he wants to heal your body. Not only is he able to heal your mind, your will, your emotions, your spirit, man, he's able to heal your body. And all that pertains to life in God. Exodus 23, 25 says, Worship the Lord your God, and his blessing will be on your food and your water. And he says, I will take away sickness from among you. Our God is a healing God. He's able to heal your finances. He's able to heal your body. He's able to heal your marriage. He's able to save you, heal you, and make you whole every bit, every part, every aspect of your life. God wants to touch you. So he wants us, how are we going to reach our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, the ends of the earth? One, we have to begin to reach the lost. We have to reach out, continue to reach the lost. We have to continue to be equipped and equip others. We have to continue to activate into significant ministry. We have to continue to care for one another. And we have to continue to be healed and made whole by the Spirit of God. And allow Him to heal and make others whole. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. And you shall receive when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. Amen. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we thank you. Lord, we worship you. We thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing at Celebration. Lord, we thank you that this has been... Uh, 2016 has been a great year of ministry, of, of lives being changed, Lord. We thank you, Father, for all that you're doing in our church, Lord, the many that, are being, that have been born again, the many, Lord, that have been healed, Lord, the many that have been affected by the ministries and the outreaches of the church. 
Lord, thank you for all that you're doing. Lord, let it increase in this year. Lord, we thank you for the seeds that have been sown are going to produce a great harvest in 2017. Lord, we believe that this year is going to be a year of double honor, double portion, Lord. Thank you, Father, for that. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.